evening. Welcome to another episode of the Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. My left mo, we out here. Robert, try coming with that sexy voice, bro. Good here. morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm trying I'm to have like a morning voice that. with the midnight voice. Hey. Man swinging that pendulum hard. <laughs> Won't be the only thing I'm swinging. Hey. <laughs> oh my god, it's too early. It's too early. It's too early for these guys. It's too, it's too early. It's still too early. It's too early. That's why morning wood is a thing, Pio. You know? No, really? No you, days you, off. You, no you time. just went there. You just went there. Come on. Okay. Going hard all the time, if you know what hey. I mean. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? All day long. All day long. You have to be ready, because like, you, you never know where you can get in, so... Okay, oh. Be... <laughs> oh my god. Yo, can we go into Sorry Not, Sorry Not, please? <laughs> okay, cool. Burn your windows, boy. I, th- I think PE's in the hot seat today. Hey. Okay, yeah, cool. Alright, so, uh, my question for Peter is to do with Peter. So, um, Jesus said, those that deny me in front of man, I'll deny in front of my father. And at the crucifixion, Peter denied Jesus three times before the cock wrote. Um, so does that mean that even though Peter did such amazing things that he is now not allowed to be in heaven because because he denied Jesus? Oh, no, not at all. I think um, as with all things, you know, sin, the wages of sin is death. And for Christ to say, you know, if you deny me, I'll deny you in front of my father. That's true. But it's also true that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us those sins. And we see from Peter's Peter's reaction, you know, once that prophecy had come through, come true, that he was repentant. And we see the fruits of his repentance after the fact. And so, yes, he denied Christ. And if that was the end of the situation and he wasn't repentant, or if that was the end of it and, and you know, he became apostate, then that's a different conversation. But he was he was repentant. He did confess the sins. And God remains faithful and just to forgive him. So now I fully think we'll be we'll be we'll be seeing Peter when we go out to heaven. The question will be whether or not he's Caucasian. Oh. <laughs> to oh. which I think it doesn't matter. He was a Jew. That's all. Okay. Oh, so Peter, whoa, are we, is that where we going this morning? <laughs> hey, as, if, as if we've not been like all the way left this morning hey, already. Hey guys, just don't be talking about Jews before you get in trouble. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep this podcast going, fam. You know what? I was I was listening to a podcast the other day, and and like they were talking about um, anti-Semitism, and like how people have like. Um, perceptions of what Jews are and like the power that they have mm-hmm. and then he made this really interesting point in that in trying not to be anti-semitic a lot of people are being anti-semitic in that they are trying to not say bad things about Jews because of what might happen to them mm. but then that is having a perception of Jews that they have some sort of power that if you say something bad about them... Shut down. Yeah. But isn't that the same as um, when it comes to, like, blacks? People are like, oh, I don't see colour. And even that statement is racist. I think it's different. I think it's different because because there's... I think the fear of not being anti-Semitic is based in the perception that if you are... If, if, if you do say something against Jews, then something bad will happen to you. 
if that makes sense. Mm. So by not doing what, you, so by trying to do what, you, by trying to not do what you're supposed to do, you're doing that thing that you are trying not to do. Mad. Mad. The sin that I don't want to do is the thing that I do do. It's more like the Matrix, to be honest. <laughs> I think I think it's it's more so a matter of. Um, Yes, there there is the element of you know you're you're, you're trying not to be anti-Semitic out of fear of what's happening and that or out of fear of what could happen and that in and of itself is a you know a, a perception. But at the end of the day, we all have perceptions. That's the problem. We all have perceptions, and to actively try to not be bad is not a bad thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's you know it's fruitless if you try and do it in your own strength. But it's not a bad thing to Jeez, not want man to took be. took it right back to the gospel. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to not want to be anti-Semitic. It's not bad. I think it's more so. Maybe we should work towards. I, I don't know. I don't know what we should work towards. For I think it depends on the reason. No, no. I, I, I think it, it depends on the reasons why you're trying not to be anti-Semitic. If it's because you don't want to get cancelled or cancelled. fired, then <laughs> then it's hypocritical. Yeah. Is is it bad not to not want to? Is it bad to not want to play with fire because you don't want to get burned? It's self-preservation, and that's not necessarily bad. But it's yeah. a case in which if it's if you learn how to handle fire, then is that a better way forward? Certainly, certainly it is. But I think it's it's also not. It, I, I don't see why it's a problem to also be afraid of you know severe repercussions if you do do something bad. No, that's 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 fair. That is fair. Um, you, you are right, though. You know, learning to handle fire in an appropriate and useful way is obviously a better, a better solution by far. Fire bending thing. I, I just think it. I was just thinking to... safety matches, not fire bending. <laughs> some of us are in the real world. Some of us are still um, <laughs> yeah. um. So my question for you, for you, along yeah. the same line as um, Robert. So I was, I, I went through the the sorry not sorry folder. But I thought, mm. nah, you know, it's a bit too heavy for for this time of the morning. Mm. Um, but yes, when Jesus said, um, not all who said, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, not all of those who said, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do, like, do healings? Didn't I do miracles? All of them things there. We're, we're currently living in a time where everyone is, for the most part, I say everyone for the most part, uh, loosely, but everyone's like, no, we need to see signs and wonders, which there is some truth in that statement. But um, what would you firstly say to the statement of, well, like, man them prophesied and all of them things there, and Jesus told like, I never knew you, and what safeguards would you give to almost ensure that you are known, if that question makes sense? It certainly does, and as soon as you started asking, I started laughing because it's uh, it's one of those ones where it's like, <laughs> as soon as you say it, you start looking around like, hmm, <laughs> God TV, yeah? Fuck. <laughs> no, 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 um, I joke, I joke in part, but, you don't. <laughs> but I also don't joke in part. No, I think um, with, with that statement, I, I remember reading it and thinking... There is something significant about trying to say, I did this in your name, um, as a reason to receive a reward that betrays an insincerity, in my opinion, um, and, and a almost a, 
a um, keeping up appearances sort of attitude to the extent of it's like, yeah, no, I, I did all this, I did all this. It's not, it's not, I knew you or I loved you or I thought I did what you wanted me to do. It was, I did these things in your name. Give me what I am entitled to, what I am deserved or, or, or something. Um, so I think I think there's a heart posture that betrays um, what's actually going on there. And, and I think people that say that know they're saying it in um, in deception almost. Uh, because I, I, you know, when if you ask me to choose between the two as to who's lying, I would definitely say it's the pastor or it's the preacher or it's whoever it is that says we prophesied, we healed in your name that is lying about their motives and not Christ in saying that he didn't know them. So there's that. When you ask about safeguards, yo, it's the same safeguard that the Bible gives. Be careful, you who um, claim to be standing, that you do not fall in trying to help those who are, you know, maybe on the ground or, or something along those lines. It's at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's a one-on-one thing. It's you and your God. It doesn't matter how many miracles you're performing it doesn't matter how many followers you have how big your church is all of that jazz it's you and god and so you better get that right that's all i can say especially the teachers especially the preachers who you know not not to say he were threatened but <laughs> the bible does say you guys um, are going to get double judgment so you better get make sure you get yours right you know how many how many warnings are woe unto he who causes the, the one to stumble who causes one to fall it'll be better for you to have a milestone tied to your neck and thrown in the sea um, you know woe unto he who causes one such as these to turn away when talking about the children like the shepherds to whom a lot has been given a lot is expected so yeah I'd, I'd just say get make sure you get it right with you and God I can't tell you and I can't look at your ministry I can't look at your whatever and say I can tell you that God knows your heart. You know, actually, you don't even know your heart because the heart is deceptive. But just make sure that you're right with God. Um, and that just comes from surrendering to God, in my opinion. That just comes from complete and utter surrender to Jesus Christ and to what he's done and to allowing him to lead. Um, but it's such a personal thing. We can see the fruits, but you know, that, that's, that's the advice I'd give. Okay. <clears throat> can I throw in a perceived spanner. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, So how do we navigate the text when um, the uh, the disciples saw someone preaching and teaching and casting out demons in Jesus, well, casting out demons in Jesus' name, and the sons of thunder were like, no, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we told them to stop because they didn't walk with us. Um, So it's like they weren't like part of the fellowship. They weren't with you. They're just kind of seeing the power that is in your name and was trying to run ride with this thing. And then Jesus was like, no, nah, I don't rebuke them because if they affirm me, they can't deny me, essentially. Yeah, no. How do, we, how do we navigate that in light of... So Jesus affirmed those who were doing it, even though they weren't, like, practically with him. Yeah. But then saying later on fam i don't know you you know well no the, i don't think those are the same people no it's not the same people yeah it's not the no same I, and, 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 and i know i know the situation I, I know that you know one is 
uh, almost prophetic in the yeah, end times yeah, and ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think those two hearts are different because okay. the Sons of Thunder wanted them to stop because they went amongst the chosen 12 or however many were walking with God. Mm. It wasn't like they were not doing the right, they weren't, they weren't doing the right thing because if they were casting out demons in Christ's name, then they were exercising power that had been given to them by their belief or by their faith in Christ. Because there were also those that went and then tried to do it. And then so the devil was like, yeah, 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 we heard about Paul. I mean, I mean, know about your Jesus, but, but who, who, who are you? Who are you, fam? Because <laughs> real recognized real and you're looking kind of unfamiliar they, right now. They got de-checked <laughs> by a demon. That's mad. So, you know, I think, I think, I think those are just as Christ said, you know, you, it's not necessarily that you are, you know, even in, even in Christ's time, it wasn't necessarily that they were amongst the 12 or amongst the, uh, 24 or 72 or however many were mm. you know actively walking with Christ it was belief you know and and even then there was still that element of we believe and thus because Christ has said we can or because yeah. Christ has preached we can we're doing it uh, but I think there's a difference between those that look like they're amongst us and those who are amongst us mm. and, and, and I think that's the distinction that's there yeah I think yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think the reason I bring that question up <clears throat> is because, like, it's, it's frightening to mm. know that in order for you to be able to cast out demons in Jesus' name and all blah, 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 like, bro, you've, like, there's some recognition of power there, or at least recognition of the name by which you cast out the demons. Mm. And so from the people who are like, Jesus is like, I never knew you. They were operating in the gifts. They were operating in certain things. Um, even almost along the lines of Judas, where it's like he went out and preached, mm. he went out and cast out demons. He mm. was active in ministry. Yeah. And we, people were seeing the fruits or the perceived fruits of that ministry, not the, not the fruits of his heart, but mm. the fruits of his ministry. Mm. And it's like, Dude, you could be active. You could be out here evangelizing every Saturday. You could be active as a believer and still have absolutely nothing in terms of a relationship with God. You see, I, I, I sort of don't necessarily believe that because that's then, it, it's then almost like there's an uncertainty. No, 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 no. So I think... Yeah, okay. I, I see how that can. I see how that can be perceived. Mm. But I think because the statement is, "Didn't we cast out demons in your name?" That means but, demons left. Didn't yeah, we prophesy yeah. in no, your names? That yeah, means absolutely. they spoke his word. Absolutely. But if 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 I don't know what your reaction would be, but if I went to heaven and then God was like, "I never knew you," I would start bawling and crying and begging. Regardless of anything, oh, didn't we do podcast and then get some yeah. feedback that people, you know, people, you know, someone enjoyed it. Someone enjoyed it, or or someone, you know, someone felt God speaking to them through it. That's that's not what I'm gonna say because at the at the end of the day, I, I recognize what's more important is the fact that this person whom I love and this person who I I, I thought loved me and I've seen loved me, you know, throughout my life and my mm. life is based on his love suddenly says he doesn't know me and it's like yo 
it's like my dad saying, yeah, I, ne- I don't know you. It's like, what? You that know? baby don't look like me. <laughs> yeah, since the past 30 years of my life has she been a lie. You know? But their reaction was, we did this in your name. Like, and, and, and I think that, that betrays something else. That betrays an entitlement. Or, mm. and, and I think okay. that, that's, I see that that's a different heart posture. That, mm. that, that's how Definitely. I see it. Definitely. You know? But I, and the, the reason I see it like that, so I recognize the heart posture, but I recognize that we're currently in a time where there is a lot of emphasis on operating your gifting, which isn't necessarily wrong, but and not enough emphasis on getting to know he who gave you those giftings, getting to know he who blessed you with all whatever like gave you this ministry gave you this prophetic office gave you this deliverance office or whatever there's not enough emphasis on that it's very much so now go out to the masses you need to be evangelizing to 20 people a day you need to build your own church by the time you're 12 like if there's a lot of emphasis on the doing and not enough emphasis on the being and not enough emphasis on like cultivating a relationship with he who called you your first call to a person before you're called to a position or thing yeah, yeah, I hear it. And it's very much like that's people, that's what I'm just like. People have yeah. the status and being able to say this is it. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, we're we're all susceptible to it to some various degrees. Mm, mm. Um, and it's just like remembering that firstly we're called to God before yeah. we're called to do the things of God. Even in I think it's like John six when the Jews were saying to Jesus, um, "What shall we do that will, uh, t- teach us what to do that will be doing the works of God." And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he sent. Mm. Like, that is the work of God, that you believe in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it right there. Mm. Oh. Uh, oh, that was a nice wholesome start to the, to, to the day. That Sunday sermons and things. Come on. Hey. I All think right, you might so have let's... to... Yeah. I, I might have to what? <laughs> <laughs> Pull the mic closer. <laughs> you guys, oh, that man. Was a bit mad, you know. <laughs> Robert is ready to dish out smoke this morning, boy. Okay. No smoke today. Okay, so let's get into the topic of today. So I was having a conversation with the fam, I think yesterday, maybe the day before yesterday, because um, my brother was um, looking to have his first, like, private student. And he was... Like think like we're so like we're debating like how much he should he should charge for the thing, and it's always interesting like trying to decide how much you're charging, mm. and like <laughs> like how much your time is worth and how much your your like expertise is worth worth. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I think we like may have touched in this subject in the past here and there, but for let's mm. have like a whole blown conversation about how do you guys go about um, determining how much your time and expertise is worth when it comes to selling your services to people? Mm. I think... Yeah. Um, I think what, what I've come to learn, and I think part of this is actually from editing a couple podcasts where there's a lot of... Um, professional thought and stuff like that and like like business thought is it's it's almost like a from, from what I see it, it's almost like a a a state of the of the of the of the the markets and comparing yourself with others that are providing 
the same level of service that you are and sort of pricing yourself or, or recognizing that if they're able to do what you're doing um, to the quality that you're doing it, then really you're worth, that's whatever they're charging, whatever the, the market is saying, that's what you're worth. However, I think there's also then wisdom, you know, if they're charging that, sometimes they've got 10, 5, 15 customers, you know, they've worked on all the other aspects of things apart from just delivering whatever product it is that you're talking about. They've worked on the market, on building an audience, having consistent customers, whatever, you know. So they're able to charge that much. And you've got to look at what your situation is, you know, and then charge accordingly because if no one's heard of you, no one's going to pay, you know, X amount that they're paying to this other popular person because other popular person has done a bit more work on the other side of things where they've built up a portfolio, they've built up a, a name or, or a brand or whatever, you know, and so there's also that wisdom, I think. But in terms of just worth, I think, you know, if you're the, the, the quality of service is, is what I think the determining factor is. And if you're able to de deliver what, you know, this world renowned professional is, is known to deliver, then that's what you're worth. It just comes down to wisdom and all the other things that come uh, that are associated with any sort of business, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, freelance pricing and stuff is, is a tricky one. What were you going to say, Robert? No, it, it, I was going to say, like, more like, um, so you, you don't have like a technical nine to five job. So like, yeah, I'm selling out your services is like your main bread and butter. So like, man, making me sound like a shower. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how does, how does that knowledge that like, if you don't get the right price, you guys don't yeah. affect how you yeah. go about pricing and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a tricky one. It's a real tricky one. Because there's a reality where it's like, as Peter was saying, that there's like a market standard price. Um, there's a market standard price for different things, and it's like a blanket price. Um, but it's also recognizing that if you don't have the contacts, if you don't have people around you who you're readily getting work from, then you might need to undercut the price slightly. But if you get into that habit, then it's like, there's, there's this race to the bottom where everyone's trying to undercut everyone's prices and then tutus are getting people recording whole music videos for £50 and editing it. And I'm, bro, like, I saw someone who bought a music video for £50. I saw the quality and I was like, yeah, this is worth £50. But it was one of them, <laughs> literally, but I was like, but it's one of them yes. ones where I understand how they got there because it's like, it's a race to the bottom. And I'm just like, £50 doesn't even cover rental of equipment. Even if you went for a basic camera, it doesn't cover it. So how are you living off of shooting videos for a whole music video and editing it? But Tuesday, the music video is literally like two takes. And then he just chopped and changed everything in different places. But I'm just like, the quality was bad. Grading was bad. Everything was just basic. But I'm just like... And then he, the person who bought the music video for £50, then had that as a reference point when going for, when coming to me for, for videos. And I'm just like, £50 ain't going to cut it. But it's like, firstly, you're my boy. So I don't even mind just helping you out with this. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you legit think that you can run a video thing. So yeah, 
um, there's a race to the bottom that isn't isn't helpful to the industry because it starts to undercut and undervalue the service that we're bringing to the table. So there's a um, there's a reality that as a freelancer, you have to have multiple hustles. You have to have multiple ways of bringing an income, not just the main thing that you put on the table. So if if your main thing is videography, then you need to have potentially editing or potentially this or that where you can have different buckets to collect the rainwater from almost um, as you build your main thing. Um, and and also agreeing with Peter where it's just like looking at the industry standard, looking at the people who are there, what they have under their belt and how do you almost compare. But that, it's, it's, as I said, it's a tricky one because it's, you start to compare yourself to those around you and like comparing what you offer to them and it could, it can be deflating. Um, at times but the angle that I'm working from is I want to be an industry specialist as opposed to a generalist as opposed to someone who just knocks out a video and so I put in a lot of work into the craft a lot of work into um, just building my own portfolio outside of client work and creating an image and a branding for myself that sets me out as an industry stand um, industry specialist which then is reflected on the price that I give. So even if I'm to give standard price, people will look at the way that I've positioned myself and just be like, actually, no, we're getting, actually, no, we're getting something dope. Yeah, so setting myself up as an industry standard, uh, industry um, specialist, um, while still providing quality and providing the service that, yeah, helps me um live mm, but yeah. it's just i've just realized that freelancing per se isn't really for me due to this very reason um it, it's a headache everyone's trying to undercut everyone's trying to eat so everyone's trying to like bulk up on how much work they take in um like the industry is undervalued because people can just like get a student photographer to come take pictures and so they don't necessarily value um, when actual photographers come through and it's just trying to break out of this of the and also it depends on where you position yourself within the market and the bubbles that you position yourself in and so if you're looking at bottom barrel clients which is an unfortunate term but um, those who are literally trying to scrimp and scrape and get as much so it's like it's a typical auntie where she'll be like oh i want you to come take a picture of my of my event but i want to pay you 20 percent less than you're actually telling me your worth and i want you to do 20 percent more work so because of that i don't i don't do african african events no more because i'm just like you undervalue the service that i bring to you yeah i think there's like um youtube channels like the future that yes. do a lot of yes. um, a lot of like talk about this and uh, for you know, if, for for people that might be thinking about having a business or, or starting one up, it's sometimes good to say no. Mm-hmm. Like 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 Mo was saying, you know, it it can be a race to the bottom, but also you'll find that people are willing to pay for what they consider high quality. Like there there are also people that are willing to pay. You know, it might not yeah. be the auntie, it might not yeah. be the auntie, but there are people that are willing to pay. And if you demonstrate like. Like, like Mo, when, when Mo says, you know, he puts a lot of work into the craft, you see it. You see it with this, 
type of people that start coming to you mm. is not the aunties. You know, it's mm-hmm. the people that come with a budget, understanding yeah. that they yeah. want a high quality product. Yeah. And you have demonstrated you deliver high quality products and then they're coming to you. So it's it's all it's all I think it's it's a balance, you know. Yeah. It's finding the balance. And I think there's a a major um thing about where you position yourself within the market. Yeah. So when I first started, I didn't understand about positioning. And so I would literally just go for any job that came my way. Mm. But then recognizing that, no, I don't want to position myself as like a general go-to or whatever. Like this is a specific sort of work that I wanted to do. So as Peter was saying, work would come my way and I'd be like, no, I can't do it. Mm. Or no, I don't, I don't do weddings. Or no, I don't do this. Or no, I don't do that. And then as much as, yes, that is, some people think that that's kind of like shooting yourself in the foot financially. Yes, it was, but in the short term, in the short term, and also by grace, I had other streams of income mm. where I was like, either had a, like a job or something else where I can be like, no, like, even if I, even if this doesn't pop off, like this job doesn't pop off, mm. I'm still like, rent is still going to get paid, my children are still going to eat, like my son's not going to be walking out here with no nappies on, like that's, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen by grace. So I don't have to take this job. And so having a side hustle gives you the freedom to start to take jobs that you actually want to take. But this isn't for the person who has just started out and is trying to act bougie. No. When you first start out, it's actually good to be a generalist, to have like broad experience under your belt and to be like, actually, no. As you're a generalist, you start to recognise what it is that you actually enjoy doing, what it is that like your skill sets gravitate towards, and then you start to specialise. But it's only by means of being a generalist that you can then become a specialist afterwards. So yeah, don't when you first start, don't try to be bougie and be like, oh yeah, I just want to get them them Gucci type jobs. Nah, no, you bang the Primark thing for a little bit. See what you like, and then as you re- recognize what you like, when you get to the Gucci level, you can just do what you like rather than trying to jump on everything and then ruin your own reputation. And, um, where do you guys, or, or like, how can I put this? How do you guys keep yourself humble in like how much you feel you should be charging? Because, like, you, you know how sometimes you can be feeling like, yo, actually. I, I could be banging out the hundred pound per hour because that's where you feel like your stuff is. Mm. But, but then, if like no one is paying that, does that mean that you should stay strong with the hundred pound hour? Wrong and strong. <laughs> or just no, like I think, suck a little bit. I think it's such a dangerous place to have pride come in because what what I've started to realize is. At some point, it's no longer about just you. At least, at least for myself, and and from what yeah. Mo was saying for him as well. You know, it's it's putting nappies on your child's your your, your child's bum, quite literally. You know, it, it's it's making sure there's food on the table, making sure that there's there's a roof over your head. And so, to some extent, at some point, it's I need to price myself such that I am getting customers, and I'm able to provide. And and what you realize is. You know, there's different ways, like like Mo was saying, having multiple streams. And I always tend to say, you know, I, I don't mind, and this is a personal thing, but I don't mind having a job that funds a passion, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
because then I, I you know there's some security and it's not for everyone you know some people do better going all in I just found that I'm, I'm not I can't do that so that's what works for me but it's because my, for instance if I'm to give my story when I started with like podcast editing the first client got she got she got a good deal <laughs> considering she got a good deal and then it was seeing that you know I'm delivering at a certain level um and I can afford to raise my prices and so the next the next client is not getting that good deal you know she's getting a good deal but it's not it's not as cheap as it was before because I've recognized that I am delivering and I can afford to do that if, if I was in a situation where I you know my first client was for just once and, and, and left then maybe I'll you know think about the quality and I think about the service and, and trying to retain customers but it's it's a matter of I think it's a dangerous place to have pride come in. It's more so just making sure that you are getting enough to to live and continue. And as you improve, you can up those prices. So I think it's a dangerous place to let pride come in, as is always the case with pride. I guess. Yeah, pride pride is something that will will, will start to siphon siphon the income. Um, but I think as well, there's there's the reality of. Um, like you you literally can get into a market and have the best skill set like industry best industry leader skill set but your confidence in yourself be poor and so then you start to undervalue and underprice yourself um or your your experience may be poor and so i think there's a reality in which um, your pricing will be based on not just your skill set, but your confidence in your skill set and your expertise and your experience. And what I mean by that is um, if you're a very good photographer, but you haven't worked with brands, like you haven't worked with chains, um, brands and stuff like that. So you don't necessarily rec- understand or recognize what is required when working with brands. Maybe the first brand you work with, even though you're dope, you actually charge them much less just for that, just for that experience and to get that expertise under your belt. Um, because the likelihood is, yes, the pictures may be good, but the experience may not go as smoothly as possible. And you may make like dumb mistakes. <laughs> Painful example, um, like photography wise, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I know that my work is good, but I shot a wedding. And for the first, I don't like shooting weddings anyways. Weddings but it was stress, to be honest. Bro, I don't like shooting weddings in the first place. And this wedding was someone I was working with. So it was a work colleague. And I know that they were a bit tight for, for money. So I was like, cool, I'll, I'll, help, you. I'll help you out. I'm not going to do it for free, but I'll work within whatever budget you have. So she gave me the budget. I was like, cool, we'll work with that. I did it. But simply by virtue of me shooting on two cameras simultaneously, my workflow is normally one camera. Mm. So what I tend to do is I'll take the camera, uh, I take the memory card out, transfer everything onto the computer, um, then back up everything onto my external drive, and then format the memory card and put it back in. Put put the memory card back into the camera and format the memory card. So this is my first time working with two cameras. I took out both memory cards. I transferred one onto the system, um, backed, that, backed that one up, 
and then put that one back into the memory, uh, back into the camera, and then my fingers just automatically formatted it. Then I went to put in the other memory card, and then I realised that the other memory card was the one I just took the pictures out of. So the, the memory card I just formatted was the one <laughs> that had the new pictures in it. Yes. So fam, I'm there sweating. I'm sweating. I'm like, yo, how am I going to get these pictures back? So I download program after program after program trying to see if I can recover these images. It's not happening. I, got, I take it to PC World. It's not happening. And the thing is, when you format the memory card on the, com- on the camera, it, it wipes everything and then it, it installs new files onto it. It builds new files onto it. And with a memory card, if you format it, if you write something onto it, the previous things, you can't recover them. But if you just format it without putting new information on it, then, then you can recover it. Mm. And it's like, this was a practical issue that I wasn't aware of and it wasn't in my workflow. So even though technically and artistically, I was like, yeah, like I got this covered on a practical level, that shagged me. So then I had to go back to the client. And then as much as like I had done the work, I had to give the client a discount and blah, 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 this and that. But it was just like, and this, this is a practical element where I'm just like, you may know what you're doing, but as in artistically or technically, but there'll be certain things that experientially, it puts you in, on a bit of a back foot. Mm. And so it's pricing to reflect that. Um, and then once your confidence grows in your all round ability to deliver, then you can start being like, all right, cool. I'm, um, I'm gonna start pushing this up. Um, so I don't necessarily think, that, I think that for me anyways, I don't necessarily think it's a pride issue, but more so a confidence issue in my competence. Um, me knowing that I am competent, I do have the skill set, and then trying to price that, um, let my um, pricing reflect that. And also I'm, I'm currently, I'm trying to move into a space where the market doesn't determine my pricing. Mm. Where it's like I determine my pricing, and if you want to work with me, this is the sort of pricing that I'm going to be you're going to be working with. But What's to be able to, but to be able to do that, you really need to position yourself as like boss, as Peter just said. Like, and that that's not done overnight. That's not an overnight thing. That takes years of work and consistency. And I think one person who I don't fully agree with, but he says something that I was like, yeah, now nah, this this is. This is like gold. He was like, before you can before you can call yourself professional or start to charge at a professional level, you need to be able to deliver consistent results consistently. And if when you're able to do that, then you can be then you can charge industry standard or charge your own prices and have that confidence where it's like, I know that you're going to be getting something good. And simply because of my track record and everything like that, there's a consistency and there's a yeah. I can get consistent re- uh, results consistently. So I know what to do. I've had the experience and everything like that. Who, who was it that said that, if you don't mind dropping names? Um, I've forgotten his name. He's one black YouTuber that... Um, I'll, I'll find it. I might actually be my hookup. I'll find it. And um, yeah, his whole tagline is helping people turn their um, passion into profit or something like that, passion into a profession. So, yeah, he, he does that from a photography perspective. Um, but, yeah, stuff's dope. 
Okay. So let's bring it back to the church. So do you feel like, because like, I look at like Paul, like how Paul lived his life and like he was fully on um, working to make sure that others didn't have to pay for him in anything. So like even he was, even though he was like probably um, debatably the sickest of all the apostles, (laughs) um, he was the tent maker and like he was trying to make sure that no one had to go out of their way for him. Um, so the question I, I want to ask is, um, how can I put this? Is there any, if you got guys like Paul, who are just like bare humble, is there any justification for preachers being flown out first class, being in like the five star hotels when they're going to like preach at a service? Is, is, is that them knowing their worth, or is that them being prideful? Or... I'll, let, I'll, let Moses, I'll let Moses address this one. <laughs> Man's trying to throw me under the bus first thing in the morning. Um, so this is this is a personal response. I don't think there's much space for that. Um, I don't think there's much space for... Um, hold on. Daddy Mulder. Yeah, I don't think there's much space for pastors being flown out... Um, or being or requesting that they be flown out um, first class, because I know that some pastors be like, "Oh, congregation donate donate up to sixty five mil so I can buy a private jet so I can go I can go preach the gospel." Um, dollar dollar bill, y'all. Come on, come on. I don't think there's room for that. Um, if out of the kindness of a congregant's heart, he's like, "Yo, like God has blessed me with." Like you, you run the church that um, Zuckerberg or Bezos goes to, and them and I like, yo, let me. Obviously, I got Amazon on deck. Man's net worth is like billions. I'm a centi-billionaire. So let me bless you, as your ministry has blessed me. I don't think there's a problem with that. I don't think there's a problem with receiving those gifts. I would, I would challenge and be like, oh, like. Would you encourage them to maybe use that that money to like feed the poor? You know, just help out those who don't have. Um, but yeah, it's a gift. They've got the money and they're choosing to use it like this. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I do believe there's an issue for you to request extravagant things. Um, but also, if as a pastor or preacher, you have a side hustle that is bringing an income, and you decide to spend your money on this, I ain't got no qualms with that. Because that's your money. The same way that no one can have a qualm with the way that I spend my money, you may advise me to do something different with it or whatever, but you can't fault me for spending my own money. So if the pastor's like written books or goes on conferences and get pays and stuff, and then takes that money as, as his own income and purchases these things, that's on you. I can't knock you for that. But if you're now going out to your congregation and asking them to buy you these things, I have a problem with that. And if someone, by someone from your congregation, out of the kindness of their own heart, decides to buy you something, I ain't got a problem with that. So, so yeah, I think those are the kind of guidelines or, yeah. I, I did throw you under the bus, more, and that's because I wanted to get a few uh, spoonfuls of my breakfast in. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I agree with Moses, and I think 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it here because I, I want to be held accountable to this. I think that... But it's... in the church that Peter leads... No, 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 no. I didn't say that. that no. <laughs> Just that there's record of what I'm saying. Um, Jesus said, take nothing but the clothes on your back and uh, the sandals on your feet. And when you go and someone offers you room, you take it. If they don't, you shake your, your sandals off and you leave. And when Creflo Dollar um, and who else? Um, is it Jesse Duplantis? When they were saying, yeah, our first class jets we used to take the gospel, it's clearly not the same gospel that Christ was talking about because he specifically said, this is what you need to take. Now, of course, I'm not saying that, you know, any preacher evangelist should go about with literally just the clothes on their back and the sandals on their feet. For one part, not a lot of us wear sandals anymore. For the second part, you know, it's not that hard to take a, a bag or whatever. What so I am saying just- is, just for gonna, couldn't it be argued that that was a very specific task that they that, that he gave to the disciples at, at like that one or like two times, and that that wasn't maybe the expected way they do things always all the time. Yes and no, because they were to take the gospel to the far reaches, and, and that's the commission that was given to them: take the gospel. Now, th- and that's why I was going on to say that you know, not literally one set of clothes and, and one set of sandals but there's a difference between i am taking how many however many clothes i need for a week for two weeks based on my own skill and, and everything and opulence or extravagance there's a difference there's a very clear difference a mm. g5 is opulence it is extravagance i don't even know if opulence is the right word to use but it's extravagance it's you could easily like and, and and Moses was saying, you know, there could be advice to help the poor. Like, you will always have the poor with you. This was something that even Christ said. There's always something that can be done. Is, is that really the best use of, of what God wants you to steward that, that, those, that financial resource for? That G5 that you're buying, how many people in your own congregation could you help with some of that money and still get even first class if you have to, even first class tickets and again so the the other the other side of it is there's nuance i might say you guys is nintendo switch is extravagant because blasphemy (laughs) because i don't have one but at the same time someone can say at the same time someone can say peter your galaxy note 9 which is now two generations old is extravagant because to them and Nokia 3310 is sufficient. So there is also going to be nuance. And I think that's where what Mo said really comes into play, where some people have got their own hustles and, and their own things that they're doing. Paul was a tent maker, you know, and he, he almost said that to say he's not burdening the people that he is serving because that's what you're supposed to do. Serve, not burden. Even, though, so if, if, even, even, even though he did have the right to be paid even, for what Even he though doing. he did have the right, because... The oxen should not be muzzled whilst they're doing their job. So yes, your full-time pastor who is full-time there for you should be catered for, should be taken care of, and shouldn't be, like you know, like I said, muzzled whilst they're, they're, they're working. They, they should be cared for. But at the same time, if they're caring for you, it's going to burden them, and you have a means out, I think God will address you for that. <laughs> I think God Amen. will address you for that. And as yeah. a teacher, we know what sort of address teachers and preachers and people who are responsible get. So that's where I stand. Yeah. 
Do you know what? I found it very interesting, yeah? There's a... Um, I'm going to paraphrase this. So if any of our listeners know the actual quote, please do not crucify me. Um, John, um, Charles Spurgeon. John Spurgeon? Where did I get that from? <laughs> I've been the grandson, fam. <laughs> um, I was trying to amalgamate John Calvin and Spurgeon um, into some super righteous power ranger for, the, for Christ. Um... But Spurgeon was saying the best gift that you can give to a don't know. The best gift that you can give to a pastor is a library. Mm. But man's out here trying to get G5s and Concours and private jets and now G you need a library. I mean you can have the Physical library on books. the G five. <laughs> you could but I'm I'm not you might get motion sickness trying to read read in the air and that. Um but yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think we are to supply the needs of our leaders. We are to help them out. But bro, like, you can't be living in a mansion when your congregation is living in a shanty town. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't run. Um, and it's not saying trying to be like um, Toby from SPAC and bring, start getting trap houses and them things there. That's, that's not the angle. Um, but it's just, yeah, there's, there's, there's something about um, the way you manage money reflecting the gospel you believe in. Mm. There's something about that where it's very much like, this is what I believe. God is going to provide. God is going to do. God is going to take the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. And yeah, it's just like, I don't want to get private jet. It's not the foolishness of the world. It's not. Um, so yeah, there's something about practically living out and having a visual representation of the gospel you're proclaiming, um, and you stewarding your money in a way that reflects the gospel that you're proclaiming. Um, like it, it will be backwards if a priest who's advocating for um, living the poverty lifestyle drives up to a conference in a Lamborghini, mm. and then he goes in and is like, "Yeah, man, they need to live the poverty lifestyle." It's like, butter. are you serious? These times you just turn up in that and they're still parked outside waiting for you. And so I, feel yeah, like Jesus, I feel like yeah. Jesus' life is like a really good example. Like, he could have been born in the royal palace. Mm. When, he, when he came in, he could have come in on the chariot with the ten flaming horses. Man came on the donkey after being Bro. born in the stable. And do, do, you, do you know that the interesting thing as well is, yeah, like, Jesus' parents were broke. Yeah. Them men were actually broke. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the dedication of the firstborn son, the, um, they kind of gave out a list of things that you need to present to the priest when you're dedicating a son. But they were like, if you ain't got nothing, the least that God requires is like two turtle doves or something like that. And that's mm. what Jesus' parents presented. It's like they didn't have anything. And so, yeah, there's, there's that reality where it's just like Jesus didn't, as you said, he didn't come through like, yes, he came through the royal priest, royal lineage of David and stuff, but he wasn't born in the palace. He wasn't born into wealth or whatever. Um, he, he knew something of the true riches and it doesn't, it's not negating that some of us, some people will be blessed financially through the gospel, but it's, um, by the power of God, not through the gospel, by the power of God, by God's grace, we'll be blessed financially. Um, but 
being broke doesn't mean you're a super Christian or being rich doesn't mean you're a super Christian. It's, it's just a different outpouring of God's grace. Mm. Nice. I think with that really nice place to round up. So main takeaway, people, know your worth. Hey. Okay? You are sons and daughters of the king. Treat yourself hey. like royalty. Hey. Get all that gold, baby. <laughs> No, 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 man, no. man, no, man, no, 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 because you're going to hell afterwards, so you might as no, well. No, no, no. Live your best life now, because this is the life you'll be living for eternity. Start as you mean to go on. Hey, this Amen. is that Jehovah Witness doctrine, isn't it? You need to relax. Before this is that. You, this, you is that. Some, this is that. This is fab. If Robert's not in the podcast next week, you know why? I'm just trying to get that. I'm just trying to get that Maserati, to be honest. But that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with Christians driving them things. No, there isn't. There isn't. It's, it's, what is what is wrong is how you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, All yeah. right, guys. Hookups. Let's hook up. Hookups. Hookups. Yeah, my um, hookup's going to be the page that um, I was talking about. So, so, the, so it's, it's a secret hookup. <laughs> no, I, I, I found it actually. Yeah. Okay. No, no, know yourself. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, it's a YouTube channel called Flash Film Academy. Oh, okay, Flash Film. Flash, so Flash Film Academy. Flash, oh, okay. Yeah. I shall hopefully yeah. uh, link it in the thing. Um, my hookup is uh, um, so Google Play Music. I don't know if anyone uses Google Play Music, but no. I had like ton i had like a ton like gigabytes of my um songs and and sermons and stuff up on there and in true google fashion they're killing the service so they'll kill it in september so it's more my hookup is more a public service announcement to use google takeout to download all your songs um or all the media you've got on there before i think september because once they kill the service you won't be able to grab it back anymore but if you even if you go on to um Google Play Music, the thing will be there. Um, a, a like banner will be the same for what's going on. So just get your stuff out of Google Play Music, yo. Cool. Unless you're on Android. I mean, unless you're on Apple, they're sorted. <laughs> Speaking of Androids, my hookup is a Netflix show, Transformers War for Cybertron. Cybertron. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. I see the link. It's cool. See what I did there? See what I did I there? I see the link. And you try coming before you saw the link. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, wait, what does Netflix have to do with Android? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Transformers. It looks good. I, I haven't watched it yet, but it looks good. I found Seven Deadly Sins. Madness. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. All right. Let's let's finish this round it up. Um, shout out to Rich for the intro outro music. Mm. for the ordinary amazing logo. You can find us at Twitter at the UK. You can email us at tvsfurnace.com. You can find us on Instagram, tvsfurnace. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash blacksfurnace.com. On all good podcast websites and apps, including iTunes, Spotify, them things there. The Blacksfurnace with an apostrophe. Is it one more week of Inkwell? Yes, final week. 
final week this Friday. Yeah, that went kind of quick, you know. Well, they'll be on YouTube. Yes, they still are on YouTube, so you can re rewatch, revisit, go through the edits and stuff again. Everything's still there. Right, subscribes is uh, YouTube page. Like, comment, subscribe, all of them things there. Sharing that. All right, cool. Well, this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blah. The door, okay.